Hi there, and welcome to the Architecture Made Simple podcast. I'm Andy. In this episode, Tim and I talk to Costa Rican architect David Conweiser about his view from the other side of the Atlantic. David offers us a perspective as we explore climate change, architectural and lifestyle choices, as well as building in a rainforest. So we've done the technical wizardry thing. We've plugged the cables in, and on a screen next to us, we have David, live from Costa Rica. David, it's lovely to see you and speak to you. Can we start by asking you for a little short, potted history of you um, and your business and, and your how you go about things? Sure. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure to, to speak to you both in far-off England, merry England. Um, I, uh, I came to Costa Rica um, 20 years ago thinking I was going to stay for six months, but Costa Rica is the kind of place that you fall in love with and you, uh, you stay. <laughs> and uh, I, I actually I got my degree in architecture in California at California Polytechnic State University and uh, went to work for Gensler Architecture Architects for, for a couple of years and worked on uh, retail and airport design and, and corporate stuff and did the corporate thing. But uh, corporate world wasn't really for me. Um, and right then the internet boom started. So I jumped into that and uh, although, you know, created sort of like a Facebook for architects and interior designers and landscape architects actually created some, I wish I had become, you know, I could have been Mark Zuckerberg because I was doing some things (laughs) cooler than him, even earlier than him. But somehow I thought that the architectural angle was going to be, you know, make me millions and it was not the way to make me millions. But anyway, to make a long story short, that kind of blew up in my face. Uh, some years later, came to Costa Rica. I had the opportunity to come here because my mother's Costa Rican. And so I always had family roots here. And I was born here in Costa Rica, although grew up in, in Los Angeles. And, um, and anyway, I've been here for 20 years. And, you know, the opportunity dropped into my lap to, um, to do a family project. And that was, you know, to create the villas that we created. So I created, uh, you know, I found this, you know, virgin, beautiful piece of, rainforest land right by the sea in Manuel Antonio, Costa Rica, found that land. And um, I could tell at the time that the concept of like destination weddings and large family groups and that sort of thing was becoming sort of a thing, but there wasn't any place for those things to happen in a really, um, you know, um, focused, you know, place for that for, for, for these sorts of gatherings. So I created um, really an events villa. Uh, that's what our 10-bedroom villa Punta de Vista is. I knew it had to be big. I knew it had to be a place for events, you know, and I, so I made it large enough for 100 people. Now our, our, we, we're a venue for 100 people. Um, and, you know, it has, you know, uh, two sets of public restrooms, you know, on the top floor and, the, and, and on the uh, fifth floor. It has a rooftop deck overlooking, you know, the Manuel Antonio Bay. It's six stories tall. It's a shock and awe villa. It's, uh, you know, it has a discotheque and all this stuff. I mean, it's it's really over the top, but it's large and it's set up. You know, it's not like one of these places where you have to sort of um, ramrod in a, a use, you know, where it has one bathroom, you know, but yet you're having a big giant, you know, garden wedding party, you know. Our villa is made for these events. And so, um, you know, created something unique. And that uniqueness has really paid off. And it, and it gave birth to another villa. We just completed our second villa, an eight-slash-nine-bedroom uh, villa. Um, uh, Ten years later, in 2019, we created a Villa La Isla. Uh, and now we're a dual villa estate 
with uh, 18 slash 19 bedrooms, which can be combined into a large 19 bedroom estate, or the, the two villas can be rented separately and they're fully staffed properties as well. So um, that's my path in a nutshell. <laughs> Sounds amazing. I'm just thinking when Andy and I are going to get married. <laughs> I think our wives might have something to say about that. It, it I was just going like, to say who's going to. I was just going to say who was going to play the more effeminate role. You guys both seem quite masculine. Uh, we, we, it depends. Depends. <laughs> depends how many gins we've had. Well, I don't drink gin, so you went oh, on that. It'll be, it'll be me then, David. <laughs> uh, okay. So, sounds like a really interesting project um, and an interesting environment to to put it in. Was the environment a, a unique challenge when designing the villa or villas? Well. Well, most certainly. Um, first of all, I mean, starting with the the, the, the site, the site was extremely uh, challenging. It was it's a very it's a very sloped site, you know, up to forty five degrees in many parts of it. So there was a lot of engineering challenges there. That's before the cantilevers, um, is that right? <laughs> did you notice the cantilevers? Yeah, the, the cantilevers. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you noticed. The, the, you know the. Um, the second villa actually has a fully cantilevered pool. The entire pool's in the air. Wow. Uh, in, in, in fact, my, my critique of myself, I don't feel that I've been able to even capture in photography enough about that. And in part because, you know, I think we, like many projects, you, know, you sort of run out of money at the end of it. And then, and then and the last thing that you get to are the parts that the actual users don't get to see. Yeah. But in my case, as the architect, I need, and, the, and I'm not the engineer, but I work closely with the engineers. I want to show off the cantilever, but that requires making the underside as beautiful as the top side. So in order to photograph it and everything, and I haven't, we haven't done that yet. So that's, that's uh, part two. That's a work in work, progress. Work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it sounds like a fantastic site and, you know, being, being sort of virgin rainforest as well, I can imagine that presented its own challenges. Well, you, you know, I, I um, just to jump to a kind of a cool topic, it, right at the beginning, the first thing that happened on, our, on, our, uh, on this project uh, just before it was completed was I received a phone call from my brother who was working for um, a high-end luxury travel agency at the time. And we were scrambling, you know, to get the project finished. We wanted to have it done by New Year's, but we, you know, were quite, quite certain we weren't going to make that deadline. So we just kind of pushed it back and we were just trying to get it done right running out of money. <laughs> and then I received this phone call um, that a celebrity architect wanted to come stay in our villa for New Year's. And I said, well, um, oh, no, he said a celebrity. I'm like, well, celebrity or not, we're just not going to be done. And then he said, but it's a celebrity architect. I'm like, who's a celebrity architect? <laughs> well, we know. I know. <laughs> so, and they are a famous architect. Even I know of one of the buildings not being an architect or a big fan of the history of architect or knowing who people are, I know who this person is. Well, I, think, I think David's yeah, about, yeah. about to offer the big reveal. So yeah, yeah. I, I We're not going to ruin it. Yeah, we'll, you can drop that, that clangor yeah, of a name. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I've got a couple, a couple of interesting reveals during this call, but this will be the first one. So, yeah, so, so then they said a, a, a celebrity architect, is his name is I Am Pei. <laughs> and, of course, I Am Pei is, you know, the designer of the Louvre in Paris, the famous pyramid of the Louvre, and, uh, and 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 me being a rather geometric architect, you could tell by you know my forms and my triangles and my points and so forth. I, I'm quite an IMP fan, and I always have been. So this was like, okay, yeah, we'll be ready. <laughs> so uh, 
and, and this was written about in Architectural Digest, actually. There's a, there's a cool article. If you type in my name, uh, uh, David Conweiser, K-O-N-W-I-S-E-R and Pei, P-E-I, you'll find the article. And it's a, it's a good one. It's a good story. So he was on a very short list of people you would have opened the doors for for New Year not being quite finished. <laughs> That's it. The only, I think he was the only name on the list. No, maybe the other guy that I'm going to do a reveal on later, but I'll talk about that later. Right, okay. But the reason that this, this segue to this was because of the cantilevers, because yeah. Mr. Pay asked me during his, uh, when, when he checked in, <laughs> which was an ama- amazing moment, and he says to me, uh, David, what is it about this building you are most proud of? And I said, well, let me show you, Mr. Pay. And we walked to uh, a cantilevered uh, glass corner on, on the fifth floor, um, with the pool, or sorry, not the pool, the root, the jacuzzi is over your head, but it's a fully cantilevered space with, with gla- mitered glass corner, even though all that water is over your head. And I said, first of all, um, there's, 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 you know, tons of water over your head because the jacuzzi is above you. And second of all, you know, looked at, I, I, I pointed him down and I showed him the cantilevers of the bedrooms, um, you know, which are just from that perspective specifically are just completely free floating. And I said, I said, it's that it's, it's, it's trying to, to make the inside feel like outside because there's no columns in your way. And, uh, I said, I, I learned that from Frank Lloyd Wright, although I've seen it in your work as well. And, and that's what I'm most proud of. And, uh, and he said, David, it's a real tour de force. <laughs> that's what I was about to say. <laughs> that's, that's the ultimate compliment, isn't it? That's I think- amazing. No, I, th- I think, um, you know, to, to, to take away the corners of any building is quite fun, isn't it? So um, it is. I, you know, I I was going to ask just about um, what was your. I guess that was a kind of driver to kind of connect with outside. So is that you know part of the, you know, say say you were looking at is from a principal point of view. Was that one of the reasons for 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 sort of opening out and creating that view, that connection with there outside? Is, there is no question. I mean, I think as architects, you know, you have to have a certain reverence for for the site you're building on. But very, very rarely does are you presented with the challenge like I was, where you have a site that is so, so extraordinary, with such an extraordinary view. I mean, the view to the Manuel Antonio Bay from our villa, I mean, it literally is tear jerking. Like it will, it will bring the tears to your eyes. You, you just can't believe it. It, it doesn't even seem like legal to build there, because how could you? possibly have a view that's spectacular it just doesn't seem possible that's, that's so good. yes it's, it, it's it, interesting... I, I had to be reverent to that yeah <laughs> it's an interesting flip and and kind of in what you're saying there because it's sort of with it being virgin and uh, it being the site that it is it's kind of you know there's part of me as a sort of a, fa- a fairly kind of environmentally friendly architect trying to touch the earth lightly and do less with building probably in this country we're doing a lot more retrofit and um you know trying not to not to not to build almost you know and and limit demolition that kind of stuff to kind mm-hmm. of come in mm-hmm. there and and sort of land as it were within this virgin territory is kind of it it throws up a few questions doesn't it and it's sort of it it, yeah. it does and i guess it's a segue to our discussion isn't it <laughs> yeah well that's it i mean it's kind of i i can see why that you know there are lots of good things about being having that connection and um i was just interested sort of from that from that climate point of view and, you know, having had 20 years to reflect on it, is there anything, you know, you might change or anything that, you know, you're proud of from that environmental perspective? Well, you know, 
there are there are purists and there are um you know i guess normal folk i, I don't know i don't know the right way to put it i mean if i was a you know, get, get segueing into kind of our kind of, you know, main topic point, you know, today talking more about um, carbon emissions and global warming and that sort of thing um, and how I might have taken that on or maybe could have taken it on better. I mean, obviously, you know, um, if I had been a purist, I would have never built anything new, would I have? No, it's you impossible know, to. Also, I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, you know, if you want to be a purist architect, you're just not going to build anything new. That, that's you just don't do that. That that's a big no-no. Yeah. Right. So so retrofit is 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 the future of architecture. It has to be the future of architecture. So I mean, I already realized I've committed one of the great crimes of of of, of humanity just to build something new. Any yeah. architect that builds something new is already committing a crime against nature and the environment and global <laughs> warming the planet. We are we are. That's just that's just a fact. So, so um, obviously, you know, and I, I've been looking at this uh, like AIA 2030 uh, endeavor. I don't know if you're, you're probably aware of it. Um, and, um, and I was glancing just, just actually recently at this uh, really, uh, this, this website called materialspalette.org. Okay. Uh, that's a, do, do you know, do you know that website by the way? No, no, I'm, I'm all ears. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, you're going to have to Google, Google that materialspalette.org. Uh, it's really interesting because, you know, it talks about embodied carbon uh, and, it, and it talks about, you know, um, you know, what are the impacts, you know, of, of, of concrete and steel and aluminum and all the you know, materials that are most common in, in buildings and how how I mean, if you must build something new, <laughs> um, how can you do it you know, more responsibly? I mean, of course, it's 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 a chain it's not good enough if just the architect, you know, wants to do something right. It's not good enough. It, it's a, it's a teamwork, you know, like, I don't know, was it Hillary Clinton? She says, you know, it takes a village. Well, that, that, that's what it is. You know, it takes the, it takes the builder, you know, uh, you know, using certain techniques, you know, in, 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 in making the concrete, per, you know, in, in the mix of the concrete, the curing of the concrete, it takes the structural engineer, certain um, strategies, you know, in, in, you know, um, sizing, um, everything properly um it's a it's an optimization game uh it's it's so many things it's it's it's, it's just a, it's a whole chain the yeah. whole process it's it's interesting um how you switch from commercial architecture as well and you know you went away f- you know you brought some of those things i think probably into the villa um because uh you know I, i've got a little bit of a background in commercial architecture and you know that's now sort of um, coming through in the practice, I guess, through um, a few more residential um, projects. But it's sort of um, going back to sort of that idea of material. It's kind of, you know, that's that's obviously one thing that we can do as architects is make choices about materials, choices about where things come from, you know, making sure that things are that resourced properly. But, you know, need, and I, th- I think we can be quite positive about things. I think that, you know, from where, where we were 20 years ago, for example, you wouldn't have had the, the palette online to be able to access or look at those things. And looking at um, all of these things across the Internet and having access to these resources. So, I, you know, I saw at MIT were doing a study. You know, they've got their own, their own department of sustainability. And, uh, you know, they're doing a study uh, looking at 
um, the joining of, of of timbers. So when 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 they're they're cutting the lumber, the joints of the the timbers are just sort of cast aside. But actually, they're looking at the structural um, complexities of those and looking to create an algorithm to use them. And um, you know things things like that incorporated in in our kind of resources mm-hmm. enable to be able to kind of then mm-hmm. um, distribute them in in terms of practice is is something that's 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 really positive and the introduction of things like CLT so that's cross laminated timber and and different mm-hmm. laminated timbers having the structural effect to you know I'm not sure whether they quite meet your cantilever but if they they're getting close to it. And uh, you know, it's, it's 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 an interesting world out there of new materials and 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 a good opportunity to explore. I think for architects. Well, well, you know, things like um, you know, like virgin steel. This is one of the things I was reading about recently. Like virgin steel is uh, something like five times more, you know, creates five times more carbon than recycled steel. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's almost like you should be treating new steel like conflict diamonds, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you, you should be like, well, I'm, there's no way I'm touching that stuff, you know? And that, that, that's just, you know, somebody died. Somebody <laughs> died as a result of these things. That's it. You know, this stuff. So, so you know, that, that's the thing. But, but, I mean, imagine the, imagine the dedication it takes to, for the entire process, you know, to be conflict diamond free, so to speak. Yeah. You know, where, 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 you know, the, the whole approach just starts with, you know, um, you know, using, you know, using, you know, all these materials that are sourced from all the right places and, and, you know, the, the structural engineering optimization is done right. I mean, everything, but everybody's got to do it right. Everybody's got to be in, be in on the, on the deal. Otherwise it's just not, it's just, you're just, you're just, just, just too much embodied carbon. You've got to get the right client as well, haven't you? I think that's. I mean, that that the money talks, and that you know that is a big that is a big factor because it, money it does money drive talks. Things. You know, you know that was that was the point I wanted to make more than anything else is money talks. I mean, um, and you know, jumping back to my villa and then you know, about the money thing, um, and why money talks. I mean, look at look at this situation. I mean, we've done certain things at our villa in order to make our villa more responsible. Um, such as, you know, we did a cool roof on the villa, for example. So we did all white roofs. Um, I didn't want to do that architecturally. Visually, I did, was not into all white roof. I really wasn't. It was, um, it was not what I wanted to do. And um, let me just be perfectly honest. Initially, I didn't do a white roof. Yeah. I did a dark roof. Yeah. And, and what ended up happening was that the material, which was kind of like a, um, a carbon fiber type material, like a plastic, it started warping. It started melting because the heat. Because because the heat, the extreme sun. I mean, it, you know, Manuel Antonio gets a ton of solar solar radiation there. So so the, the roof started warping. So we actually needed to replace it. And of course, you know what what was happening with that with that roof is like a gray. It was like a kind of a uh, medium colored gray, but dark enough that 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 it was just absorbing that heat. And what and what does that mean? Then of course uh, that heat is, is is going into my building. So that was just that was just badly thought of on my part. I mean, it's a warm just, jacuzzi, was it? Oh, <laughs> we'll get to we'll get to the jacuzzi in a oh, minute okay, because, okay. because we did a lot for the jacuzzi. But um, but anyway, make a long story short, we changed that to a cool roof solution. So that and that's been great. Guess what? No more warping. Um, I feel that the building has been cooler as a result. It was a great decision. That the aircon bills team. have gone down. Our bills have gone down. 
in, in, in part because of that. So, so that's one thing. Um, but the other um, thing, and, and here we get to the almighty dollar, is what else did I want to do? Well, I wanted to put solar panels on the roof, and I wanted to put um, um, battery storage at the bill at the villa because I wanted to utilize, you know, that that battery storage when the energy costs were higher, and and you know, do that that whole thing. And I wanted to be self sufficient. I wanted to be as as off grid as as we can be, but we haven't done it yet. Why? Because it's too damn expensive. Doesn't work. I mean, it's a big driver, isn't it? I, th- I think we, you know, we've, we're sort of in a. You, we talk about sort of individual buildings. We talk about footprint. You know, one of the things I was going to talk about was maybe about, you know, sort of air miles and how to get there and you know that kind of offsetting. But actually, you know, in in the reality, it's not going to have a massive effect on the climate. What we, you know, what we need to be having the discussion about is the the dramatic kind of policy changes that can be made. And we really need to be more self sufficient and not so dependent on these um, large scale energy projects even if they even if they're green like costa rica's is green you know more than england's is but still if it's a big bloated energy infrastructure you know you 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 just kind of it's best not to be a part of that isn't it it's best to just have your own make your own power i mean that is got to be the future yeah it's it's you know we're we're in a different we're in a difficult situation, aren't we? I mean, across the world at the moment, where those resources are, are what we're going to be fighting over. You know, that's that's ultimately what we're fight. You know, we're fighting over in war and um, and what have you. And if we can find a way of, I mean, we're not going to take it away, are we? Um, let's be honest. But like, you, you can you can look to kind of manage it independently. I, you know, I admire that kind of um approach to things because you you know if you've got that independence then that takes control back to or gives control back to the the user and um Mm. i think that divergence of thought has been quite a quite a dramatic thing for for um uh, hopefully the environment um in some ways that impinging on the rainforest was and 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 that virgin land is the reason why these things are happening and it's not gonna it's not gonna be it it wasn't the first and it's and it's not going to be the last is it it's something that we need to be mindful of well well i'll tell you something i mean you know if you look at covid on a, on a big level and and what it did it, you know it forced uh, it forced a lot of people or i should say gave the opportunity to a lot of people to work from home yeah. um and that right there was fundamental to the future because uh, now a lot of those jobs are still people working from home because they realized oh wow magnificent uh we actually can have a much smaller office or not have an office at all, uh, lower that overhead. And, um, you know, people working from home and, you know, getting back to the beginning of our discussion about, about new buildings and embodied carbon. I mean, good God. I mean, you're just not going to see a lot of new office buildings being built. I mean, that's just the bottom line. In fact, what you're going to see is the retrofit of office buildings into housing. And that is the future. That is a very significant part of uh, part of our future. Um, I'm sure you would agree. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's I think that's exciting in in terms of, I mean, but we would never have thought about that 20 years ago. And I think that you know when I was, um, you know, even when I, when I was graduating and I was sort of imagining myself being lucky enough to kind of meet with the likes of IMP or whatever, 
know, there was this there was this ambition to build, 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 right? And you wanted to build uh-huh. the first thing and um, be yeah. recognised. And you know that I think that's part of something I'm learning as 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 the practice develops. And you know, part of my practice is in creative practice. So as an artist, so you know, right. there's a little bit of conflict in there. There's no question. I mean, I mean, in the same way that when you were a young architect starting out. And, uh, excited about building all this new stuff. You, I mean, we need to be just as enthusiastic about re, about re, re, retrofitting buildings. That has to be the new exciting thing to do in architecture. We got to make it sexy, make it exciting. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll tell you something: a, a commodity that I think is going to be a hot commodity going going forward, and I'm sure it already is, but even more so as we realize that retrofit is the future of architecture. Um, is 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 are cool buildings that were designed by cool architects that are starting to kind of fade away, uh, getting old. Uh, I mean, if you think of you know classic you know architects like I don't know, um, well Frank Lloyd Wright or John Lautner or Richard Neutra, all these cool architects from from you know the '60s and '50s and yeah. you know all these. Stuff. I mean, these buildings are going to become even cooler, even more valuable going forward because it's like. Well, I might not be able to design and build something new like that, but what if I could re- retrofit a Neutra building or, you know, really make it awesome? Yeah, well, Neutra um, is all about that, right? So, you know, we'll, we'll all steal the Kaufman house and, 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 and relocate it to the UK, uh, but in part. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's kind oh. of the, the, in that day, so this is, to, to Andy, a little bit of a, bit of a lesson. Um, you know, we're talking 1920s, 30s, around that time, Lavelle House, something like that. Um, and these guys were, of the time, you know, sort of around post-Bauhaus as well. They're all looking at technologies and all looking at the new materials and things that they were using to employ in a sustainable and environmental way. And right. we lost, we've lost our way from those, you know, a lot, lot of that. Um, but mm-hmm. now we've got all of these resources. Now we're talking across the world and talking about materiality and we're talking about you know how on a larger scale we can affect things um and i w- i would love to see sort of you know imagine imagine neutra coming to this 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 sort of um discussion com- com- conversation almost he'd be saying right well you know that's the technology i would have used then and this is how i'm going to use it now because mm-hmm. um some of that stuff um was very much sort of research based so in some ways, what we've got to do is, I think, probably look at that research and look at that talent of looking at things laterally to see how we can explore that. Because I think if we do that, then we can offer and hopefully, you know, open a few minds to things, you know. Um, <laughs> but it is, it is that kind of lateral thought that um, gives us uh, an advantage and obviously I think probably is of value um, as artists as well um, to be able to kind of stand back from what's happening in the world and just go actually right what can we do to kind of make that make that change i think so <laughs> great well i think that's a, a great way to end but you did have another oh an, another celebrity yes. to to um, or something to to to, to tell, i've lost i can't speak to t- t- tell us yeah, yeah to tell us about yes so uh so i i, I want you to you since i'm speaking to england I want you to know that I'm I'm about to have the uh, the second visit of my my favorite British artist of all time that I discovered when I was 11 years old. I'm now 52, <laughs> and I've been a fan ever since. And um, back in 2014, when I when I passed my 
architecture license exam for the state of California. After passing the test on my third time, I celebrated by taking my kids and my wife uh, to Disneyland in California. And uh, while I was standing in front of It's a Small World, a gentleman all in black with jet black hair turns around and he looks at me and I said, you're Gary Newman. And he said, yes, I am. <laughs> and uh, uh, that, that, that's my favorite musician of all time. And, uh, and uh, he, he'll be coming to stay for his second visit here coming soon. So uh, he, just, he just booked with me again. Wow. Nice. And uh, so that, that's just quite cool. You guys, you guys know Gary Newman, I'm going to assume. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's exciting for you. I mean, it must it must be such. A, well, it is a luxury anyway, isn't it? But it's a luxury for for you to have people of you know distinction coming to see you. We 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 try to you know um, you know gather the most information we can about our clients b- before they arrive. Uh, definitely, I mean, you know, we're a you know a five star slash six star property. You know, and I say that because you know we're we're always trying to go over and beyond for our guests. You know, um, you know, we, we, we take personal service to a very high level and, and, uh, yeah, trust me. Um, <laughs> we, we, we do all the investigation we can to make sure that our guests are extremely comfortable and, and surprised by how well we, we know and we meet their, their, their needs when they're with us. No question. Well, I'm very much looking forward to Tim paying for me and my family to come along with him and his family. Yeah. Great. Well, I hope you guys will come and visit us, and maybe some of your listeners. Um, I don't know if you 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 know say the name of our business, but it's you know villapuntodevista.com. www.villapuntodevista.com. Check it out and come and have a private yacht with crew style experience and a cool architectural vibe with cool cantilevers and a place where I am paying Gary Newman enjoyed. <laughs> I think I think you just did that. Yeah, yeah, all on your own. I think that very on other. We'll chuck a link in the um in the description as well. So that's it for this episode of the Architecture Made Simple podcast. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for listening. Tim and I will be back with the next episode very soon, and it's entitled "The Lion's Den." Hopefully, that has you intrigued. If you want to find out anything more about David and his villa, or about Scrace Architects, then check out the description where all the links that you need are just there, or visit scracearchitects.co.uk